0: Hello friends, welcome to 100 Degrees Below Freezing, a story and devotional podcast where we share the experiences we've had while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. Sometimes odd, sometimes funny, sometimes painful, but always in light of Jesus. Grab something warm and join us in the adventure. Episode 9, Your Ministry Isn't For You. Villages are getting smaller. That's one of the new realities that Alaska is facing. Native Alaskans from all the tribes in the state are making a slow exodus out of the rural context and into the more urban contexts, where education for children is more readily available, healthcare is more easily accessible, and most determining of all, there are jobs. The average village in Alaska has very few job options and really no distinguishable economy. Schools, city clerical, and utility work, and some seasonal jobs produce the bulk of the job opportunities in villages. So when there's no work, people begin to look for where they can get work. In communities that have small economies, many of the jobs that these economies produce are not what you might call on-the-job-training kind of jobs. Rather, these are university degree kind of jobs. Teachers, wildlife biologists, medical workers, and the like require individuals who have gone to some formal schooling before coming for the job in the village. The number of village folks who go out for education and then return to work in their village is rather small. And because these jobs are filled with people who are not from the village, they really have no lasting tie to the village. All their family lives away. And if they have kids, when they graduate, they'll be moving away from the village too, causing a greater strain on the individual to not stay. That brings us to students. Since the cultural transition from true subsistence lifestyle to a commerce economy, student education has become a much higher emphasis within communities and tribes. Several boarding schools and residential programs have popped up around the state to house students who are seeking a better education than they can receive in their home village, where they very well might be the only high school student there. The emphasis for these students is trade school or four-year college. There are scholarships and education grants and a whole plethora of other opportunities for students to grow. But the result is that it creates students who grow into adults with skills and training that have no place in the villages, no jobs that meet their training, nor an economy to sustain entrepreneurial ventures. So what do you do when you know that you don't get to keep the people you're pastoring. I've talked with several pastor friends who have shepherded congregations that have lots of military personnel. They know that military families get moved around a lot. They get on average about two years of relationship and discipleship with them before they're gone, which is fine in most cases because new families move in who will fill their places. Galena has a high turnover rate, not as high as some communities in the state But every May, you get used to saying goodbye to folks, native and white alike, dear friends and casual acquaintances. Take, for example, the student population of Galena. As I've mentioned before, during the school year, one-third of the population of Galena is in high school. Because the boarding school and the city school, we have a ton of students. And at best, they are part of our community or our church for four years. Then, well, they're on to other things. These aren't students who are next-generation leaders for Galena Bible Church. What about the 20-somethings that work at the dorms? Well, over the past three years, I've discipled a group of 11 20-somethings, and by the end of this school year, only three of them will still be living in the village. Students we've led to Christ, gone. Couples we've counseled, moved. Individuals we've discipled, relocated. Why does it feel so frustrating? Well, with several legitimate reasons aside, the primary reason it's frustrating is that often I'm more focused on building my ministry kingdom than I am on faithfully serving in God's kingdom. This has been a hard lesson learned for me. It's easy to fall into the self accomplishment trap in ministry. In the peak times when everything seems to be firing on all cylinders, you begin to think God, you really have equipped me for this. This is great and you dream of the next great achievement you'll accomplish in ministry. But in the valleys, you think, why did I even try? I shouldn't have even been in this ministry position. Someone else would have been much better for the job. Do you see the problem in this thinking? When you begin to think this way, it reveals the fact that you thought that the ministry of God was about you, what you could do for God. Ministry isn't about you. We don't disciple people so that we have more and better people to do more and better ministry with. We disciple people because our Savior commanded us to. When we have a thousand people to disciple, we do so faithfully. When we have one person, we disciple them faithfully. We preach, teach, and model the gospel faithfully. We die and are forgotten. But not by God, because your ministry wasn't about you. It was about his glory and his renown. I recently learned of a much passed over period of Jonathan Edwards' life that has been a great encouragement to me as of late. It's so passed over that there's hardly anything written about it other than passing statements. Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan preacher of the Great Awakening, was fired from his church. One of the most well-known Christian preachers of his day was fired because of his stance on communion. They couldn't find anyone to preach the weekend after they fired him, so they asked him to come and preach the next Sunday as an interim. You can't really make this kind of stuff up. And he did so for quite some time. All the while, he was receiving invitations to become the pastor of large and well-established churches in New England and back in the British Isles. But Edwards makes a rather odd decision. He heads west, about 40 miles, to what was then the frontier of the United States— to a place called Stockbridge. There, a former missionary friend of Edward's had started a church in that small community of Mohawk and Mohican Indians, and there for several years Edwards served in a native village of less than 200 people. And when the time came for him to leave, he did so begrudgingly. It appears as though he loved the people and the work happening there. There is today a push in missions and church planning to focus on the urban contexts of the world. And this is not a bad push. The world is urbanizing. Masses of humanity are congregating in cities all over the world, and the gospel is not keeping up with population growth in these places. But all the while, the small places of the world are being forgotten. Because people are leaving those places, there is a tendency to say, is it really worth the effort? Is it worth the resources? What do you think Edwards would say? What do you think Jesus would say? Let's pray for both, shall we? Let's pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers to the little places of the world to bring the gospel to the people there. Let's pray that God Almighty would send people to the most densely packed plots of land on the planet so that people there would have a shot at hearing the gospel. Let's remember that our ministries are not about us. Let's remember that the faithful preaching and teaching of the Word of God to a few is infinitely more valuable than the self-serving ministry to a million. This is a lesson I'm still learning in one of the forgotten small places of the world. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of 100 Degrees Below Freezing. To you, friends, I say, stay warm and never stop needing Jesus.